0: Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, one of the fastest-growing movie podcasts in the world, where we discuss all things film. In this episode, we discuss Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters Afterlife. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. This is Anthony. And this is James. This is going to be a fun one. We actually went and just saw Ghostbusters Afterlife in IMAX. That We got the invite, and it was a super fun experience. Was, There's was a QA and a with director Jason Reitman, so it was a lot of fun. And it got us thinking, like, let's watch the original. So we actually watched the original right after we had a double feature, because I hadn't seen Ghostbusters 1984 in, like, a decade. It's been a long time. Yeah, and Ghostbusters Afterlife, we're going to do... Um, 10 minutes spoiler free in the second half of this episode so if you haven't seen it yet you'll be able to hear our thoughts on the film without any spoilers and then after those 10 minutes we'll get into spoiler territory and talk more in depth about the film but uh, just off the bat i had a really great time at ghostbusters afterlife i thought they did a great job fan service doing their own new thing excellent new cast a lot of fun so we recommend you go check that out it just came out this past weekend and then we're also going to discuss first the original ghostbusters which is an iconic film we grew up We watched it with our brothers our brothers were in love with that movie so they had it on a lot especially especially a couple of our older brothers so we were always watching it with them and again like you i haven't seen it that often as an adult but um watching it again last night you get this you can see how this movie became so popular how it became such a beloved classic and it was also massively successful this movie made 300 million dollars in 1984 if you adjust it for inflation, it's still seventy-six billion. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's worth more than Tesla. It it's actually is still Columbia Studios' most profitable film when adjusted for inflation. So it was a it massive hit. Thirty million dollar budget, or like a little less than thirty million, which yeah. is pretty similar to the budget for Afterlife. Afterlife budget was about forty-four million. It's currently at about sixty million global box office. I hope it does well because I had a blast at that movie. I I went in with no expectations. You know, I love Paul Rudd. I love Finn. Uh, Grace McKenzie, I've seen her in a bunch of stuff. She's really great as Grace well, McKenna. McKenna, I'm sorry. And um, so I was actually pretty excited to see the film. You know, I, I didn't go and hate the movie like most people do with, and all these critics because it's 62% Rotten Tomatoes. I was like, what? Yeah, I don't know. I understand I, that. It's the funniest movie I've seen all year. Top 10 movie of the year for me in, on my list too personally because I had such a good time. It's not a perfect movie. Um, I think the original is better, but well, I, think, yeah. I think it was just so, so fun. And it's going to be a big hit. It's not going to be a hit as big a hit as the first one, but forty million opening weekend is really fantastic. They're gonna that movie will end up making three hundred million. It looks like, which Hopefully. is way more than the budget, so it's going to be very profitable and guarantees that there are going to be uh, more sequels. Yeah, to it. I I want a sequel to it because like ha- halfway through the film, I'm like, I hope they do another one of these. It was a really good time. And, you know, I think we didn't. We're not doing Ghostbusters too because we we didn't want to do the whole franchise. We just wanted to talk about the original and the new one because of I think they're uh, the two best. Yeah, they are the two best and you there's the first the fi- the new one is very much connected to the original film yeah. so we skipped ghostbusters too and we we skipped the the 2016 ghostbusters um we're not going to discuss those, but I think Ghostbusters 2 was a really great sequel. It does get a lot of flack. It's only a 6.5 rating on IMDb, but I really think that was a good sequel for sure. It's pretty good. I mean, especially when you have Bill Murray and Sigourney coming back to be yeah. in it. So, I mean, you got the cast, but, you know, I don't think the story is as good as the original or I, or the story of this one. But before we continue, the best way to support Raiders of the Lost podcast is to become a patron at patreon.com where you get awesome perks like podcast schedules, personalized videos, Patreon shoutouts on the show, and weekly bonus episodes which post every single Wednesday. We also just launched our podcast masterclass online course. So for anyone who wants to start a podcast or improve their current podcast, our 22 chapter 46 video lesson course will give you all the secrets behind the scenes of our show and everything we do on a daily basis and how we got the success that we have right now. Besides all the support from everyone around the world, the link is podcastmasterclass.teachable.com or just go on our website, Raiders of Lost podcast.com. You can find the link there for the podcast masterclass right now we're doing a quick coupon limited time offer 10 percent off with podcast 10 use that at checkout and be sure to follow subscribe wherever you're listening or watching on youtube hit the notification bell and thank you so much for tuning in around the world now let's get back to ghostbusters and i was unaware of excuse me i was (laughs) unaware i was unaware of how fervent the fans are of ghostbusters like they are like super diehards and they're all over the world like at the screening we went to there must have been a hundred people dressed up in Ghostbusters outfits, yeah, or T-shirts, yeah. yeah, T-shirts, either the full outfits. There was a guy with the entire proton pack and gun. Did you see the guy who was the entire uh, Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man? And that was his entire costume. Like, he, oh, really? He wore an entire suit of that. I thought he worked for the theater I'm, that night. I couldn't tell if he worked or not because <laughs> <'cause> so <somebody, laughs> <'cause, laughs> He actually took the mask off. He looked pretty upset. Yeah, because <laughs> we were walking into the, we were entering the theater right outside the front of the TLC Chinese Theater it's a great theater in Hollywood but and it's, it's just where like it's expensive where, yeah it's $18 to park in a mall for it's two hours insane. <laughs> and we got validated I couldn't believe it I I felt like an old man when I was complaining about it $7 of water <laughs> but this is the theater it's right on Hollywood Boulevard on the Walk of Fame and outside of this theater they have the famous handprints and cement of celebrities and this is what used to be Grom's exactly. Chinese Theater yes, now it's TCL but yeah for decades it was Grom's and it's a fantastic Fantastic theater, really fun. Huge. I, yeah, huge. I, I love the decor of it. But it was just a really great time. But we were entering and then I saw the guy in this Dave Puff outfit, but he had his the mask off. And he looked. He was sweaty. He was, he looked like he was like I was about to rip a butt. Yeah, he's a like, cigarette. "What the hell am I doing with my life?" He had I that could, look. Maybe he worked there, but still, a lot of people were dressed up, so I, I couldn't tell if he worked there or was I just think super excited. I think so. But I saw a girl with the Stay Puffed like costume, but not like the, the whole full puff yeah. outfit. Just like a girl's costume. But for there it. are even kids dressed up in the outfits. And apparently, there are these Ghostbusters groups all over the world. And they even provide charitable contributions to, like, uh, children's hospitals where they'll raise money for children's hospitals and even visit the hospitals dressed as Ghostbusters. They they do a lot of great work, and these fans are really passionate about this property. And I really—it was the perfect audience to watch the movie with. They were cheering— all the time, and it at was the like right times. At the right times, every time there was a reference or an Easter egg, they were freaking out, and it made the experience better. Yeah, and I, dude, we'll get into afterlife later on because yeah. I had so much fun watching that movie. But Ghostbusters in general, what it clearly means to people is is it's so important in their lives and growing up obviously it's like their childhood because it's still relevant in pop culture but for for decades this thing dominated pop culture i we went as ghostbusters for halloween when we were like in high school to like the school dance and stuff like that we got like (laughs) the jumpsuits and rented them from a costume store and like it was just so cool because everybody knows what ghostbusters is who you gonna call the song by ray parker jr that was just an iconic pop culture moment as well and it goes so well at the movie but just like it's been so resonant in American culture for almost 40 years now and it's it's just so cool because this original film in 1984 is really what kick-started it off and it's still kind of a timeless piece of filmmaking and you could say that it it took over the world of sci-fi after Star Wars was done because Star Wars was finished um, filming and screening and then Ghostbusters 1 and 2 came out. So that I think they tapped into that audience that wanted that sci-fi fix. But also the comedy of the 80s Well, as well in the late 70s because Ivan Reitman, who made this, he's like, you know, the uh, National Lampoon and then Animal House and those films. So he was great with those comedies. And now he's doing like a big budget sci-fi comedy that's also a horror film. So I think the genre bending of this movie is why it's so appealing. It's a sci-fi comedy horror Romance—it's just a lot of fun. Even like kind of a period piece at times, depending on which ghost you're talking about, and like the special effects—you've never really seen anything like it before. And I think obviously the cast is exceptional because we have Bill Murray, who's of course the star of the show. I mean, this movie doesn't work without Bill Murray. This is a big movie. Yeah, this is this is him. This is this is Murray doing a ton of ad-libbing, a ton of improvisation. But the whole cast itself, it's just all the dudes from SNL. We have Dan Aykroyd, Hal Ramis, the, you know, they're the the Second City National Lampoon SNL dudes that those classic traditional comedic guys from that era. Then Ernie Hudson comes in and joins the crew halfway through. So I think the comedy style is the best part of the film. Obviously, elephant in the room, some of the jokes have not aged very well, and there are some very cringeworthy moments between, you know, some of Bill Murray's lines and regarding women, and it's just like, oh, man. Like, of course, it flew back then, not saying that it was acceptable to say these kinds of jokes back then. I don't think it was acceptable in any era, but it shows you, like, how different the landscape of the culture in terms of Hollywood, what you could say on TV and film, is different than today because some of the jokes we were watching, we were like, Jeez, we looked at we each were other. Looking like, oh, my oh, God, that's God, that's pretty bad, dude. Yeah, and also he kisses – uh, Sigourney Weaver's character, Dana, he kisses her her hand and wrist when she's asleep uh, in a, a, sleep, yeah. sleep in a he's, coma. He's very aggressive yeah. with trying to court her. It's yeah. just like, that's what comedy and, and films were like. It's just, it's not okay. It never was okay. It's just, it was different culture. And they he clearly had like a more innocent attitude about it, but still that does not give it any leeway. It's like, it's definitely not an okay thing to do the way he approaches Dana in the yeah, entire we were film. Yeah, we are watching her like, damn, it's a little much, Bill. Yeah, like he... <laughs> he a little much. He like basically forces himself <laughs> into her, her <laughs> Into her apartment. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> into a, her bedroom. It's a little much. <laughs> it's, but uh, there are moments where Dana reacts like with like a, a sour face. Like when he said, when he, she says uh, not... Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. Much happens in the bedroom. He's like, "That's a shame," but then she's like, "Oh, gross! You're being gross, dude." So she definitely reacts that in a in a normal way, but still. I think that this movie there are moments that don't age well. But in general, besides those moments, the rest of the movie is completely timeless, I think. Yeah. It still works. This this special effects still look pretty good. It's obviously they look amazing. It looks like it's from nineteen eighty four, but it still works. It works for me as well. A lot of their effects are practical, which is great about the new afterlife film where they, they went back to the practical effects with a lot of the shots, especially the mo- the monsters with, with um Zool and mm. Uh, Vince Clorth, the keymaster, and the gatekeeper. Also, they're also known as the terror ch- ter- terror dogs. The dogs, yeah, so the like, dogs. The practical effects when it goes ba- well, it goes back and forth between CGI yeah. or digital with practical. They did the same thing in the new one, which is fantastic, mm-hmm. like harkening back to the old feel of it. And that's what the biggest problem with the new with the 2016 Ghostbusters was. It was all CGI, and it was all just like. I mean CGI has gone come a long way, but it just took you out of the moments, and it wasn't scary because w- there's a difference when even in the 1984 film when you see the terror dogs, you know it's just like a, a prop, but it's it's really there and it's tangible. And seeing it on screen, knowing like that's real light hitting it, that is way scarier than the CGI monsters and ghosts in the 2016 Ghostbusters, by far. It doesn't seem like a Ghostbusters movie, it doesn't seem like a blend of sci-fi, horror, and comedy in the right way. and I think that's why it just didn't work. It didn't have the feel of the, the old school of Ghostbusters films, which Afterlife 100% f- pulled off. It felt like it was in that universe. I also think they spent too much money on it. That movie had a budget of $140 million. And if so maybe I, sm- make the scope a little smaller, yes. less special effects, and yeah. more of story character driven. Yeah, I think that Ghostbusters works best with a, a moderate budget, like the new one. So but I it's think, all about the characters. Yeah, and also the characters, because the more money, the more that the stu- the more money that a studio spends, the more they want like big things happening. So less character development, more showy stuff. I think that's a problem with yeah. a lot of films especially in this era of the 80s and a lot of comedies that go that route that have special effects or like a sci-fi comedy the special effects can get away of the story and the humor but ghostbusters is an outlier where it just only enhances the story and the comedy is t- intact in general yeah and we watched this as little kids we were watching it and i remember being really scared of ghost i was scared of the green monster yeah. The green one too and yeah i mean that's yeah, scary. slimer terrified me um, the the librarian scene really scared me. The with dogs, obviously, too. But yeah, the dogs horrified me. I was like, I remember I used to have nightmares about them. And that's and um, Jason Reitman said the same thing. Where it's like when you watch this as a kid it's a different experience than when you watch it as an adult because when it's a kid when you watch it as a kid it's a horror movie but when you watch it as an adult it's a comedy because he was seven when his father was making the movie and it's actually cool he's telling us the story about the audience the stories about how he was on set growing up around those movies and like and then when he was making the new one his father was on set with him every day while he's making a ghostbusters movie himself so i think it's the only example i can think of where um, like a parent and a child are making movies in the same universe or sequences. I don't think it's ever Never. happened. It's really cool. And I think that Jason Ryman did an incredible job like carrying the torch of Ghostbusters for his father, but also for the fan base, because he was talking about how like Ghostbusters doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to my father. It doesn't belong to any of the actors or the studio. It belongs to the fans. It belongs to the people. And, you know, some of us get the opportunity to carry the torch and borrow the property and borrow the characters in the world for a little bit and actually hope to to make something special and to keep it going. He's hoping that he builds a franchise, and it seems like they're going to be able to reboot an entire franchise of it because, again, we had a blast watching the, this new one. Yeah, and I just love the, the entire concept of Ghostbusters because the name is so fun. It's such a catchy name. And it's basically like imagine like if you had firefighters or battling ghosts. Yeah, so kind of. Yeah. essentially that's what, what it I is. thought of when I was a kid. Especially yeah. with the pole to, to yeah. slide down because they have the fight. They are actually in located in an old firehouse. Yeah. In, you know the, the the pole like you said, and, and you know the the packs, the proton packs, kind of seem like fire hoses when they're shooting them out. So it definitely has that fun blend of like, firefighters in a sci-fi movie, and I love the idea of you know ghosts are so normalized. Once they start appearing, they become just like a normal thing in the world. Yeah, I like how they don't yeah. like spend too much time on like, oh, they're not real it's yeah. skepticism or anything like that. And I like how it's you know the the story follows three parapsychologists. They're forced out of their university funding and set up shop as a unique ghost removal service. Once they discover like real ghosts exist at that library in the opening too, and um you know then ghosts start showing up everywhere all over New York City. And the characters are so fun. Obviously, Bill Murray is the superstar of the of the trio and the and the the four of them, Dr. Peter. Venkman and they all have like their own speciality where Venkman is like a a psychologist and his opening scene is where he's trying he's he has like two students that he's running a test (laughs) on yeah it's about negative reinforcement to produce um, a psychic ESP ESP uh, uh, event in a person which he actually does with the guy yeah yeah but then he's also wooing the uh, other female student but like that's a little cringe guys that's 1984 humor he's very handy like, but that is ironic how, like, the guy gets the wavy lines one right, and he's just like, he's like, it's just not your day. That's that's what's funny about it, because he actually got positive results, and he doesn't even care about it. He's like, he proved his theory correct. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> he's only focused on the girl. <laughs> because is obviously like the womanizer of the group, and then we yeah. have Dan Aykroyd plays Raymond Stance, who's like the very innocent, bumbling, fumbling guy, he's, he's like kind of clumsy, he accidentally... Really causes them to not be able to bump the rent down in that new place that they get because like this place is amazing, whereas mm-hmm. Venkman and Spengler are trying to run the rent down. so he's he's actually a great little little comedic effect as well there. And then Harold Remus as egon Spengler is like the is the physicist expert who creates kind of like most of the technology. He's that like they're... the genius of the group. yeah, but but stance is also a great engineer, it seems like, where he can fix up that car, yeah. And Winston, who's played by Ernie Hudson, he come he shows up halfway through the film looking for a job. That character was actually offered to Eddie Murphy, and Eddie Murphy, because obviously he's friends with these guys, he was on SNL as well. He turned it down, but if he was actually, if he accepted the role, he would have been part of the crew from the get go. Mm-hmm. So Winston would have been part of the that group right from the start of the film. But because they couldn't get Eddie Murphy, and Ernie Hudson at the time was an unknown actor. They they waited until halfway through the film to to have him reveal in, in the story. I understand why they did that. They wanted to yeah. build the rapport of the characters. I wish Winston gone in a little sooner because I yeah. think he's an awesome part of the film. I think uh, he's because sig- he's normal. Yeah, of the, the thing with of Winston, the thing with Winston is he's like he's the person that we all relate to the most, I yeah, think. Yeah, he's like the know, surrogate was, yeah. for the audience because yeah. whenever they get in trouble, he's like, I've only been here for a couple of weeks, everybody. I don't, I don't yeah. know about these guys. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I didn't try to destroy the city. <laughs> yeah, Stance hands him the, uh, oh my God, the, our fans, Ghostbusters fans are gonna kill us. I can't remember the thing that holds- The trap. The trap, the trap, and it's all smoking, <laughs> and then he's like, oh, what do I do with this? He's like, just just take it. I'm, how many butts are getting smoked in this movie? Everyone's just ripping cigarettes yeah, the whole the time. Yeah, the normalization of yeah. cigarettes they back Always have cigarettes the, hanging the, out of their the mouths. The four lead characters, the four Ghostbusters, Ripping butts the whole movie, yeah and for no reason. Like it's just like a normal conversation. That's but, how normal it was smoking yeah. cigarettes. Like we grew up obviously in the in the nineties, it was still pretty common for stuff like that. You could and, still smoke indoors when we were little kids. Yeah, but like in like restaurants were always smoky, like malls were kind of smoky, mm-hmm. or just I- indoor events were always smoky, like the the family reunions or the <laughs> or stuff like that. But like now, kids like no, I never see anyone smoking cigarettes. Like maybe a couple people are on like driving past in though. New Orleans. You can smoke that's where that's still where you can smoke indoors indoors oh yeah you're right that's the only place in america vegas i think some places yeah yeah and casinos casinos, you can smoke indoors. yeah so casinos still have that smell and that you just see this the the thick air but that used to be everywhere in in, in the world was like every bar every restaurant was like just a haze of smoke in every room everything (laughs) and everywhere everyone's every store everything smelled like cigarettes It's no wonder the life expectancy has jumped up the last 20 years. (laughs) For real. (laughs) But everyone's smoking butts. And uh, Sigourney Weaver was awesome in this movie as Dana Barrett. She's a sci-fi queen. Yeah, she she is like the queen of sci-fi films. Between Alien and Ghostbusters, just those two properties alone. She's the star of both of them, and she's just this – They're two of the most iconic sci-fi franchises in the history. She's top of the mountain, man. So so Dana Barrett is uh, one of the women who's – she has the ghost of Zool – inside her refrigerator, and so she's the first person to become a customer of the Ghostbusters after they launched their first commercial. (laughs) I love the commercial. (laughs) I love the (laughs) commercial. They actually, so that commercial uh, with, like it says, like 555-2348, call us, and and the three of them in the ad, they actually used that as a real promotion while the film was released. Like a real line? Yeah, and they they actually put a real 1-800 number so you could call. So people could call the one eight hundred Ghostbusters number in real life, and they would, they would get a voicemail with Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray saying, "Hey, we're not here at the moment. We're we're out catching ghosts, but leave a message." <laughs> Was it in the movie or in the trailer, like a commercial? They they just put it on TV, okay, as you. a commercial, basically like a normal ad. Uh-huh. And uh, they were getting um, over a thousand calls a day from for like several months, and that actually helped because um, they, they released the, that commercial after the movie came out to keep people wanting to see the film. Even during its release. I would definitely call that number just to see. Oh, yeah. Just to see what happens. Just to hear their voices and everything. Mm -hmm. Why not? And then Annie Potts plays Janine Melnitz, who becomes the secretary of the Ghostbusters, an iconic She's very role funny. for her. That was like her star-making role. The New York accent. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really, really good. And I think Rick Moranis is one of the best parts of this <laughs> yeah. movie as Louis Tully, who's the neighbor to Dana Barrett. And Rick Moranis had, you know, he was a phenomenal comedic actor. He was a star. He was big time. I mean, this yeah. honey, I shrunk the kids, but, you know, I think I can't um, remember the, what it was. The plant one, what's it called? Um, with the with the, e- the plant that eats. Oh people. yeah, the uh, the the musical one. Yeah, yeah. So that so he was in a ton of stuff, but I think it wasn't he had the it was the unfortunate incident where I think his wife passed away. So then he stepped down from acting to raise his kids on his oh, own. Oh really? I, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Wow, that's I didn't why know he that. he kind of abandoned acting and just stopped because he was on fire. He was one of the biggest comedic stars working. Yeah, it, he's really funny in this and like every time that Dana walks through a hallway and he just comes out he's like oh hey Dana how's it, how's it going <laughs> he always locks himself out of his apartment as soon it's as he always, as soon as he hears her door open he comes out he's just like the creepy funny stalker they did a good job in this film of portraying what it's like for like women to deal with men who are always constantly You're right, hitting he, on them you have the weird creepy stalker who lives next yeah. door then you have Bill Murray who's like a womanizer trying to get in your apartment and then the musician her friend who clearly wants to sleep with her and yeah. is jealous of Bill Murray when he shows up yeah so Everyone's, She's got three guys who were trying to sleep with her, which I can only imagine for the average woman is pretty typical on yeah. like a weekly basis, yeah. especially pre-smartphones and stuff. But like, just the, the men around your life always trying to hit on you. Exactly, I can only assume that's what it was like. Because if you think about it, what men didn't, men and just people in general didn't have access to like a phone to look at thousands of people to interact with. They're, you're interacting with people in your bubble, so definitely, I'm sure women had always had to deal with men inside their bubble trying to hit on them well, and sure. trying to sleep with them. It must have been ridiculous. Absolutely. But Lewis totally he's, 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 he's pathetic. That's yeah. why it's funny. He's, a, he's, he's, he's a bonehead. He's very dorky. He has that raging party, but it's all clients of, the, of <laughs> his. It's just like the weirdest party of people showing up and everything, but it's blasting. But it's funny when, so Dana and Lewis are the ones who get possessed by the two ghosts, Zool the gatekeeper, and then Vince Clorth the key master because the two of them need to get together. To allow Goza, the main ghost of the film, to come or the the spirit. divine spirit yeah. to to be a, be alive and come back on Earth. Yeah, and this movie, when that gets going, it really takes a turn to get like really scary. Like when the dogs attack them, it's terrifying and but funny. Yeah, but funny because Ivan Reitman, he got some great shots. Like when Dana sits down on her on her armchair and she just got like off the phone with her mom, and then the the doorway of her bedroom lights up in the, in the frame and then the door bursts open and then that dog is just sitting in the darkness and you see its red eyes. It's really scary. It's a great shot. And then also when um, Lewis is getting chased by the other dog – it's scary and funny because yeah. he keeps cutting to the in- interior of that party and because it's a glass wall no one, everyone's just looking at they can only see their own reflection of the party in the glass and then they don't see the dog attacking Lewis it's so funny I think they just don't care I yeah, think that's, that I think that's the joke it's like the so, elites at this yeah. fancy restaurant outdoors in a glass like bubble and they see this man begging for help and they're like <laughs> oh, who, who cares <laughs> and then he just and then he shuts up and they Sounds all about go back right. they all go back to eating dinner Sounds right So So Goza <laughs> is an ancient ultra powerful malignant entity from another dimension who was summoned to New York City to destroy the world and take it over. Mm. And so what's also interesting is the apartment building that both Lewis and Dana live in was specifically engineered by the person who built it to be an enormous antenna to increase the telekinetic and, and, and interdimensional uh, elements. Going on in the film. Evo Shandor. Yeah. Is the guy who built it. Who actually comes into play in Afterlife. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I love how they, yeah, they tie it all together. And I, the ghosts in this movie and the spirits, it's so well done. Like, that library scene, the, the opening scene, it's a great scene. It tells us everything we need to know about what this movie is. And they didn't even show the ghost. It's just the drawers opening and then all the files flying through the air. And then librarian freaks out. It's really great practical effects. First of all... Whenever I when I watched this the other night, I, I just remembered. Remember how big libraries were? They were massive, and yeah. like how many there are? Yeah, there must be like a fraction in terms of how many books are stored, and how many libraries there actually are, because libraries were very common and everywhere and in huge. And it was normal to always just it go to seems the library. Like so much yeah. of it has been digitized now that people don't even have to go to libraries anymore. We don't do we don't. School, I mean, uh, students don't use libraries in college I, I and university. I bet that like young people outside of college never step foot inside libraries. Because we still had to use libraries when we were kids and using like the, what's it called? Like the Dewey Decimal System and yeah, looking yeah. up the books and yeah. stuff like that. But I don't think anyone under 17 knows what a Dewey Decimal System is. It's like, <laughs> what do you, is that like a math problem? <laughs> <laughs> is that is that a character? <laughs> but yeah, I, I love the opening of the library scene too. I'm sure the the effects for the time when you first saw that ghost was, was yeah. really chilling and Scary. Yeah, and it's, it's practical. It's just, they just filmed that old woman with. Um, the set dressings and stuff, and then they just changed the color of the film, and then they superimposed it onto that scene, and it really looks good. It yeah. looks awesome. Now, if you're watching on YouTube or on social media, you may have noticed that Anthony and I have some brand new laptops on our desk. These are courtesy of LG, the 17-inch LG Gram Ultra Lightweight Laptops. The cool thing about them, and my favorite thing, is their 16 by 10 aspect ratio, which means more vertical space versus the 16.9 widescreen, which is awesome for editing, for taking notes but most importantly for watching movies like if i was going to watch ghostbusters right now i'd be putting it up on this LG gram right now i binged the entire show of succession in like three weeks on this thing it all looks incredible the the displays are sensational i love watching movies and tvs on here so definitely check out LG Grams ultra lightweight laptops we'll put links to the 16 inch and 17 inch models in the youtube bio of our video of this podcast Thank you so much, LG and LG Grant, for sponsoring the show for the rest of the year. And today is the last day of Cyber Monday to get 25% off the entire website on manscaped.com. They've done an entire week of this sale going on. So use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout. You'll get 25% off the entire site at manscaped.com as well as Free shipping. I recommend hopping on board and getting that lawnmower 4.0 groomer for the man in your life. Definitely recommend getting their new two-in-one shampoo conditioner, their body wash. I've been using the body wash for about two weeks now. Love it so much. It smells fantastic. I leave the shower. I think smelling the best I ever have in my entire life. And they're expanding the line even more in January with some new men's products. Also check out their performance package 4.0, which is basically a bundle of goodies and gifts like the lawnmower and the weed whacker to throw in. I'm telling you, it's the holiday season. Right now is the last day to take advantage of 25% off the entire website on Manscaped.com using our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout. Get something for the man in your life, whether it be a holiday gift, birthday gift, a uh, take a hint you need to groom up hint gift. Use this code Raiders of the Lost at checkout. Yeah, and then and then on top of that, the Slimer ghost in the hotel is super funny. Yeah, and scary. It's I w- it's a combination of like he's scary and funny to look at at the same time. Yeah, and I love h- how he's just interacting with each character and that scene when they destroy the ballroom it's trying so to catch him and like the the major D's like telling the guests, like, don't worry, it'll be ready in a minute. The, the room will be ready. It's clearly like a yeah. ball is about to happen. <laughs> and then you can see your glass shattering, tables being broken. The chandelier, they're yeah. lighting that place yeah. up yeah, with they're the burning on. the walls up. It's so <laughs> funny. And then when they come out, they, they charge, Bill Murray's like, yeah, so that's going to be uh, $4,000 and then to hold on to it, it's going to be another 1000 So you're looking at $5,000. And they leave the room like, like conquering heroes, like, we did it! We got it! Don't, <laughs> <laughs> don't worry! And even though the place is like literally burned out. We <laughs> came, we saw we kicked its ass <laughs> <laughs> the damage that they done is, in- is insane it's so funny it's to watch great because that whole sequence between them getting to the hotel and going through the hallways and trying to catch it it's funny and scary at the same time, like when Bill Murray gets slimed and stuff like that. So I think it's a really good time. And just they do a terrific job with the slime, the ghost looks really good, the green, and like, it seems like it's transparent, but also uh, practical and like you could touch it at the same time. Yeah, and I really love Bill Murray's reactions to ghosts in this movie, especially the first one in the library because the other two like they're super excited cuz they've been they know they've believed in ghosts and know of the evidence of them and so when they see the first ghost in the library they're like super awestruck and so excited but I I think that Bill Murray's reaction is so funny he's just like straight face, like, looking at the ghost, like, taking it in rather than being, like, shocked. Like, the typical, like, shocked and surprised and horrified. He's like, alright, what do we and, do? And then he just goes to the guy, he's like, over here. Come over here, guys. Come over here. <laughs> he's like, what are we gonna do about this? But I love how they didn't even have a plan. They're yeah. like, they are gonna find this ghost and just, like, talk to it, I guess. <laughs> Maybe, like, coax it back to where we, we hang out. Yeah. I don't know what we're supposed to do with it. And then they developed it. I like how they developed the tech, but I wish, one thing, if, if we could see the development of the technology, yeah. that would have been a lot more fun I love the tech that they use in the in the power packs and everything and the trap. It's super interesting. And the plasma rifles and whatever, if that's what they're called. It looks cool. <laughs> I think it's what it's called. The, yeah. the, the digital effects look really great. But I would have loved to watch like a montage of the maybe – Building the the gear and then testing it. Yeah. But it's also really funny when they are in the elevator and they turn on the protein on the proton pack and like the noise starts humming and two of them back off like because yeah, yeah. they we, they're like we've never actually tested this gear before and then they turn it on like <laughs> and they start moving away from it. I think that the it would be fun to do a, a montage of them building the tech, but I think that it works best to be by the surprise of seeing it in action. During that scene Yeah Rather Because it's really Like people didn't know What to expect And then once they start Going and shooting The the rifles Then I think That audience is that wouldn't have been as great of a scene if they had already seen that being done. You could say that's, that's the style that they were going with because they were like, right away, they're a ghost, here's a ghost. Yeah. We have these proton packs, here's how it works. Yeah. Like, real quick. like Really it, simple. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I think they're thinking less is more. Well, the movies, it's fast-paced. It's They get going, there's no fluff or, or fat on this movie. They trimmed it up really well. It runs at an hour 45, so it, it's like- It's on a keto diet, bro. Perfect length, and, and I, I love the entire film. The, the sets are great, the wardrobe's great when they finally put on the suits and everything. It's super fun, and- when they actually start getting customers and they're making money and they're they become like celebrities, they're on like late night talk shows yeah. and stuff like that. And so it's it's actually a really fun, interesting concept. They're on Time Magazine. Where, where they become very famous because of being Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. And I I love the the third act is a lot of fun and it's really hysterical. Like, the the keymaker and, and gatekeeper once they take the bodies of Lewis and Dana, like. They uh, they hook up. <laughs> it's really funny. Do they? They never show if they, they have insinuate have, it. They have to have sex or yeah. not. Or they like... show the aftermath, and then Lewis is like looking at her, like all satisfied and like <laughs> proud of himself. So they insin- they don't show it, but they insinuate it happening. Are you Just the like key they... master? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, yeah, when when she, when um Venkman shows up to her apartment, <laughs> she's like, "Are you the gatekeeper?" He's like, "No," and then she slaps the door <laughs> in his face. Are you the gatekeeper? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I am. And I do like the floating scene where she's positioned. That's a great learned, practical effect. Yeah, they did a really good job because, like, the, it reminds me of The Exorcist a lot, but they also spun Sigourney uh, almost like a full circle. So it's like, I wonder how they actually did it. I, I can it tell up. you. Tell me how they did it. I want to know. I was trying to think of it. I'm like, was there, was there, like, a platform that was holding just the side? I don't know. Tell me. So obviously there was, like, a, a beam yeah. that she that held her up. And they were covered it with her clothing yeah, and her the curtain, her, uh, her, uh, her yeah. nightgown. Yeah, exactly. So what she actually, they strapped her into a solid bodysuit. And so that is what, cause she was completely unwrapped in it. That was what allowed them to rotate her without gotcha. her losing her place. So they, she just had, it was like a bodysuit that perfectly fit her, strapped her into it, which was attached to that pole beam. And then they spun the beam around. So is the beam vertical or is it like horizontal, horizontal on a wall? Yeah, horizontal. Alright, that's actually yeah. that actually makes sense. That's actually pretty pretty ingenious and simple yeah, engineering at the re- same time. Really simple. Oftentimes it's the most simple way to approach something, is generally how they did it, just like a magic trick. Yeah, it's actually pretty cool. Pretty cool. He doesn't use a double. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred Barton. <laughs> that's a good prestige. You want trick. it to be more complicated, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Your accents are trash, bro. I'm not an actor. <laughs> nice effort, though. But yeah, I think it was good. <laughs> we'll let people. Hey, on. fans, did, did I do a good job? Leave or... a comment on YouTube yeah. if you think Kathy yeah, did a good impression or a good English accent, right there. I'm Michael Caine. <laughs> Your Michael kane's good when you just say his name. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the climax of this film's great, where they all le- they get up there on the top of the skyscraper and they defeat Goza after she's been reawakened or or brought from her dimension to earth and she's about to take over the entire planet or goes uh it's a god goddess so it doesn't really have a gender whatever it wants to be i guess yeah but then um she imbues the power of her imbues her power into whatever the first thought of one of the men comes up with and (laughs) ends up being the stay puff marshmallow man and this it still looks really good the effects yeah Yeah, they're scary there are a couple shots that are like uh but most of the time this really holds up to nowadays special effects it's a very iconic moment in film history the the enormous giant stay puffed marshmallow marshmallow man which is yeah. which is fictional it's not real you know yeah. it's not like it's not a real brand it's not part of like real advertising or anything like that it's just it just exists in the Ghostbuster franchise yeah and it's a really great sequence and I, I really love how they filmed it the practicality of it half of the shots are just like a guy in a big suit it's just like a Godzilla movie you yeah. know what I mean did you notice that I don't know if it's true or not, but I just assume when I watched Ghostbusters last night again was the stay puffed marshmallow man's costume looks so much like stranger things the diner like the, the oh yeah they did that on purpose yeah that's what yeah. I'm assuming' it's yeah a reference they that's it, yeah. a reference to ghostbusters because yeah. it's like pretty much the same, same exact, outfit, outfit. Yeah. yeah I that yeah that show made a bunch of references to Ghostbusters actually including actually the kids. Dressing up as Ghostbusters for Halloween. Oh, I didn't know that was a reference. Yeah, so that actually was a reference to <laughs> when they wore Ghostbusters the costumes. Ghostbusters. Oh, I totally went over my head, bro. <laughs> <laughs> just letting our fans know Sorry, in case just, they I'm haven't just, seen it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not everyone's seen Stranger Things. <laughs> we should do Stranger Things. I love that show. Oh, you love that show? <laughs> it's a good time. Um, you got anything else you want to do? Some fun facts and head into. Inter- intermission. I got some fun facts. Let's do some trivia of Ghostbusters. Then we'll head into intermission, everybody. All right, Ghostbusters trivia. Almost none of the scenes were filmed as scripted. Most had at least one ad-lib, and most of Bill Murray's lines were complete ad-libs. Just like Louis Tully when he mingles with his party guests, that entire scene is one continuous shot, and almost the entire scene is improvised improvised by him, by Rick Moranis. The Ghost Slimer was actually inspired by Jim Belushi. Slimer's gluttonous eating was based on Belushi's cafeteria scene in National Lampoon's Animal House. Ghostbusters was the highest grossing comedy of all time until Home Alone was released. So it was a gigantic hit. In the song Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr., the chorus shouting, Ghostbusters is actually his girlfriend and her friends because he had a quick deadline that he had to meet to get the song done. So he just had all of them do the chorus for the song. Smart. Ended up being the number two single that year. All right, let's head on into our intermission then. How's that sound? Sounds fantastic. All right, let's start with our movie quote competition, and this one's from me. If you're going to cuss with somebody, you're not going to cuss with me, you little cuss. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good one. Fantastic, Mr. Fox. That is correct. Are you cussing with me? All right, here's my quote. Yeah, come on, Dad. Be nice. Come on. She's making Krabby Snacks and Homemades. <laughs> I want to know what, what Homemades are. Did they ever show in the movie? No, they never showed. And Krabby Snacks? Probably in the I'm book. guessing Krabby Snacks is like Crab cakes. Crab Cakes, yeah. It's probably in the book. Yeah, this is Silver Line's Playbook. Yeah. I love that movie. Guess movie release year Groundhog Day. I'm going to go with 1986. A 93. Oh wow, 1993, Damn. older. Groundhog Day older that, is huh? excellent. That yes. I think might be one of might be Bill Murray's best movie. That is yeah, so so funny. It's a really loved movie. It's awesome. It's really it's a genius concept, and it's been ripped off many times. Yeah, that idea. I think Edge of Tomorrow is the one that's done it the best. Oh yeah, definitely by far. Nothing's even come close. Okay, here is my movie release year: Wedding Crashers, 2005. 2004. oh man, close, close. Man, early 2000s comedy was legit. I think that was like prime comedy. It, a, you gotta have it, and you can make the that. argument. Not a lot of it's aged well, obviously, yeah. but it's still like yeah, that era was 1999 <laughs> to 2010. Great Some, comedies, like that, yeah. yeah. All right, what's your quiz? How many Wes Anderson movies feature Bill Murray as an actor or voice actor? All right, hold on. Let me let me count. Rushmore, Royal Tenenbaums, Life Aquatic darjeeling budapest french dispatch isle of dogs um do, 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 <laughs> hold on this is i'm trying is, i'm just movies. giving some entertainment in the background okay okay do, 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 um do, 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 do. <sighs> oh moonrise kingdom eight so eight is your final answer eight is my final answer you're short too damn it he's in 10. what are the other ones i'm pretty sure it's every one of West Anderson's movies he's not in bottle shock Bottle Rocket? Bottle Rocket. No, he's not. But he's in 10 of his his movies. Oh, man. Oh, I didn't think of Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, Fantastic Mr. Fox for sure. And then what would the other one be? I don't have the entire list. What did I miss? Someone will know. Let us know in the comments. Good job naming off eight of his movies, though. Yeah, I I missed. I didn't get it right, though. Do you say Rule of Ten of Yeah. Yeah. There's something in there you missed. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Maybe I miscounted, too. And something else. Yeah. All right, but it's 10, which is crazy. Pretty much all of his movies except for the first one. Mm. Okay, what's your your pop quiz? What comedy did Paul Rudd and Bradley Cooper star in together? Oh, I know this. I'll give everyone a moment. Wet Hot American Summer. Yes. That movie is so funny. The cast is ridiculous. Yeah, it's great. It is so stacked. Paul Rudd's character is so funny He's just like too cool for school Just yeah. like always tanning And lets kids drown in the lake <laughs> Hey, he plays the lifeguard I did all Bradley Cooper ones this week Alright Who's our hater? Do we oh, have we any? got a hater We got a real we one? We got a real one Alright, yeah. I love the real haters Yeah, the, the juicy Okay, our hater This week <clears throat> He commented on our Lord of the Rings trilogy episode Which is a great episode Although it's episode 18 We gotta do another one of those Joe Johnson pack All the pronun- all the mispronunciation in this video Made me cringe And the Lord of the Rings knowledge is horrible I, I, think, did we did I think we did a pretty good Is it the YouTube? The, the yeah, original YouTube. one? Yeah YouTube Bro who cares So what? They're hard names to pronounce Sorry we pronounced an elf's name wrong <laughs> <laughs> It's Gimli I think we did a good job The Lothlorian hard to pronounce sometimes on the spot Yeah, I think, yeah exactly We're not Tolkien super nerds all right, and then Nicholas Baker commented in our Marvel vs. DC debate, James didn't even eat the full habanero pepper. Unsubscribed. Hey, bro, you you take a bite uh, I took a good bite and I almost had a heart attack. I thought I was dying, I swear. I thought I was dying. It was, you do the same bite I did, and then, you know what? You should eat the whole thing too. Triggered. I'm not triggered, I just want, I want him to feel a reciprocation of my feelings at the time. It was hot. All right, <laughs> That's still one of the funniest things we've ever done. No, this, no, that's this per- it. We need to yeah. release just the spice cut of just me eating the pepper. Release the spice cut. All right. our, our, <laughs> our fan of the week, supporter of the week, is a five-star review from Mully. Favorite podcast. Podcast is perfectly informative, well-paced, funny, and overall enjoyable. Podcast feels like you in the same room as Anthony and James. The progression from their start gives viewers hopeful and excited about future episodes. Definitely worth the list and thank you so much molly for that amazing five-star review today. that was awesome yeah that was very nice um on this day in film history today's is november 29th also hope you all had a great holiday week weekend with your family and friends in 2018 Mowgli was released legend of the jungle and that's about it not a, not a lot of movies come out thanksgiving weekend and happy birthday to the late chadwick boseman who passed away wow very recently wow. it's been a year wow it's been, it's been, I think it's been almost a year, right? It was last year. Yeah, it was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was right after the lockdown started. Uh, yeah. So it was sad. in April. All right. My stream recommendation this episode is The Warriors, which is on Amazon Prime. Nice. Another Warriors great 80s movie. I have- Come out <laughs> and play. I have all the Bond movies. They're on Amazon Prime now. So go watch them. All the Bond yeah, movies. <laughs> all, <laughs> whatever Bond movie you want. They got it. It's pretty great. They must. I don't know what they- Because they bought MGM. That's right, MGM's yeah. the studio that has always been making Bond yeah. movies, so now they have all the Bond movies on Amazon Prime. I wonder if they'll be hosting boxing events, too, because they always do that at the MGM. <laughs> did, they get, did they get to the casino, or did they just get the film rights? They, I'm not, well, I believe MGM, oh, I think they bought all of MGM, so they. My guess. So they must own the casino now. They Probably, yeah. Maybe not, I don't, I don't feel know. Like maybe that. it's just like MGM's entertainment. I think, <clears throat> I think that casinos might work like stadiums, where a company pays for the rights to the name. Maybe. it's so like that. I don't That's know. That's my guess. But I, don't I don't know anything. I don't that know. would be my guess. Who knows? That'd be interesting if Bezos now owned a ca- If anyone eight, knows that, let's know. Yeah. Yeah, does Bezos now own the MGM Casino? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shall we dive into Ghostbusters Afterlife? Let's go, play it, Which just came out. This was directed by Ivan Reitman's son, Jason Reitman, and it was also written by Gil Keenan. Jason Reitman and Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd actually also uh, co wrote the original script with Harold Ramis, and Rick Moranis is on credit as, as the script writer as well. Yeah, Dan, Dan Aykroyd is like a big believer in aliens and ghosts in real life. Yeah, so I think th- this was probably his original idea back in the day. His passion project, yeah. And so Ghostbusters Afterlife, you can look at it as like a direct sequel to like the first and the second Ghostbusters movie. Maybe even just the first one. Like if those were the only two that existed, it still makes sense story-wise. Oh, yeah, totally. And Ghostbusters Afterlife, it, it reminded me of Star Wars Force Awakens where, same, it's a new story, new characters, but, you know, they're take they're taking a step forward from where the last one was left off and it feels like it's the same world like in the 2016 ghostbusters it felt like the other guys didn't even exist you know what i mean whereas this one they they pay a lot of fan service to the originals you know they showed it's the kids are like looking at the the original tra- commercial on youtube yeah it's which funny. is fun like and like a lot of people have actually forgotten about the ghostbusters at this point like they haven't even heard of them like it's online but like only they're Like, the YouTube video is only getting, like, a few thousand views. Like, Gen Z has never heard of the Ghostbusters, yeah, even just, though it happened in the world. Yeah, it's, like, it's old news because, appa- like, Ghostbusters, like, solved the problem of ghosts. So ghosts haven't been a thing for 20 years or so now. And I think that this movie is really well cast. All the young actors—I wasn't sure about the cast being so young from the trailer. I said it multiple times. I was like, these they're kids. Like, Ghostbusters works because it's, like, grown adults and it's a lot of adult humor, but— I think that having Paul Rudd and Carrie Coon as two great lead actors as the adults really helped out. Paul Rudd especially, he's super funny in this, but I think the kids all did a great job. McKenna Grace is an excellent actor and she plays Phoebe. What but, was the one she was in, Chris Evans, Gifted? Gifted, That movie's yeah. really good, yeah. she's yeah. awesome in that. Yeah. She's got an Emmy nom, right? Or an Emmy win, uh, Emmy I, nomination, I, w- I think. I wouldn't be surprised, she's been in a ton of stuff. I think because she's also in, um, what's the one with Elizabeth Moss? Um, Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale, she's in that. Yeah. And she's really good in that. Um, But she's a super talented actor. Finn Wolfhard, obviously. Mr. Big, Stranger Things. Yeah, Stranger Things. Face of Stranger Things besides Millie Bobby Brown. And then uh, Logan Kim, new- super newcomer. Super funny. He's great. It's, he's hysterical. I connected to his character because his yeah. character is called Podcast. Yeah, He's always running a podcast. They kind of make fun of podcasters in this movie. But I, I gave it a pass. <laughs> hey, I gave it's it my a pass. full-time job. Whatever, yeah. dude. <laughs> uh, yeah. But he, this kid, he's super charming. It, uh, it's like... He seemed super, really confident. You know, it's, it's rare for a kid to be that confident on camera. And then Celeste O'Connor as Lucky, who's uh, Trevor Finn Wolfhard's character's love interest. They all did an excellent job. I think they were really well cast, super talented. They had a lot of chemistry together. And I think it was a lot of fun. So let's set the plot for Ghostbusters Afterlife. No worry, we're not going to spoil it yet. We will give you warnings for when we start doing spoilers and stuff. So Carrie Coon is the mother of both. She plays Callie. She's the mother of Phoebe and Trevor. And so they are – she's the daughter of Dr. Spangler. Egon. Egon Spangler from the original who apparently just like – deserted everybody he deserted the ghostbusters he deserted his family moved to this random town stole and all their tech t- yeah he took all the tech from the ghostbusters left his family left his daughter and just became recluse on this random dirt farm which is what they called the place they lived on because he he farmed but didn't nothing grew you know mm. you'll find out why but he just <laughs> he abandoned everybody he knew in his entire life and no one knows why and he just kept to himself and he, no, And so his daughter grew up without a father, basically, and she's always held that animosity against him. And so they have rent issues and they get evicted from their apartment. This is all in the trailer, by the way. And so then they move to this ram town because he passes away. Spangler passes away. And Egon left them this house, this abandoned, haunted house on this farm in the literally the middle of nowhere, in a middle of nowhere town. Like, even everyone in the town makes fun of how abandoned and haunted this house is. And so... They end up moving into this house, and so Phoebe is is the daughter, and then Trevor, played by Finn Wolfhard, is the son. And you know they don't want to live there, obviously, but they have really no choice because Carrie, I mean Callie, um, she's I think she's out of a job or something like that because they, they didn't explain exactly didn't explain that why, part where yeah, what why she had her money. I'm guessing she lost her job. I'm because, guessing got employed. Yeah, because for something when they move, she doesn't have a new job there or anything. Yeah, and um, it's the summertime; it's summer break, so. Trevor, finds, like, a job at, at, like, the local burger place where Lucky works, and then Phoebe attends summer school. Just because. <laughs> just because, I guess. Even though she's super smart. Yeah. She's basically, Phoebe is Egon mm-hmm. in his granddaughter's fo- body. Like, it's like, she just takes after everything. The, the super, the huge brains, the... The same temperament, the, like, odd, sarcastic, dry humor. Weird the personality. Super yeah. serious personality, the glasses, everything, the dark hair. So Phoebe is basically a reincarnation of Egon Spangler, which I really liked. Yeah, and she wears the exact same glasses as him, too. Yeah. And, obviously, this is all in the trailer. They find their grandfather's tech. They find the Ghostbusters car. Trevor the, the, fixes it the, up. Yeah, the Ecto- Ecto-1. Um, Phoebe gets a hold of the actual plasma rifles and all the tech. And they become Ghostbusters themselves. And, you know, this town becomes overrun with ghosts. We're not going to get into it yet, but m- mysterious things are happening. And there's a giant force building up that they have to eventually stop. But their ghost scenes, the ghost hunting scenes, are a lot of fun. There's a highlight in the trailer with uh, Phoebe, with um, Trevor's driving the, the Ecto-1. And Phoebe's in a chair that gets launched outside of the car and is like a, a side compartment. Like, it feels like a Star Wars movie. It's, a rif- it's like a rifle seat. Yeah, and it's awesome. A gunner seat. Gunner seat, thank yeah. you. And that sequence is really terrific. It's really well shot. It's pulse-pounding. It's funny. It's fast-paced. The CGI looks fantastic. The kids are really hilarious. And that I think that was the highlight of the movie was that sequence. And you see a lot of it in the trailer, and it really does not disappoint. It feels great. Yeah, I love the Ecto-1 so much. We actually didn't even talk about it when we were talking oh, about Ghostbusters, yeah. so we should just talk about it for a little bit because the Ecto-1 is actually a 1959 Cadillac Miller Meteor Futura, which was—there were only 100 made total by Cadillac at the time, so there, that's all there was ever made. And so I believe it was also handpicked by Dan Aykroyd as the car of choice. And I've also his character is the one who— pulls up to the Ghostbusters new headquarters with the Ecto-1. He does all the the revamping and everything. But I loved how this film my my maybe my favorite part about the entire film besides the great comedy in it is the the exploration of the te- exploration of the tech which you didn't get a ton of in the first films because They have the tech already but we don't see how it works or we don't get a lot of close-ups of the of the tech itself but this film explores the technology the packs the rifles explores the interior of the ecto-1 extensively and all the fun things that are inside of there and what apparently egon was improving because he was constantly developing the tech in order to prevent was what was coming eventually in the film yeah and it's great to see like close-ups of them actually hitting the buttons and turning it on and the kids test out the plasma rifle and it's super funny and the plasma rifle's CGI, it looks great. I think it's they, awesome. He, I think Reitman did a great job of capturing what the original felt like, but improving on it with more realistic CGI. Yeah, the essence of what the original mm-hmm. beams look like. And it just I think it's one of my favorite parts of the movie is the actual beams themselves. It looks incredible and I love the effect that it has on the environments and just tearing everything apart. Yeah. Do you wanna get into spoilers? All right, let's yeah. do some spoilers now. And I just want let's I, I want to start off with Paul Rudd's character, yeah. <laughs> Gruberson. Pl- so he plays <laughs> Greg Gruberson. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the. He's this the um, summer school teacher where Phoebe goes to school. And he doesn't care about the the education at all because it's summer school. So he's he, he, he opens on, it up with "You don't want to be here." I don't, don't want to be, be here. here. <laughs> and we're assuming you've seen the movie too because there are a couple jokes of him in the summer school where me and Anthony died in the theater, and we feel I feel like no one else left. There was uh, a packed yeah. IMAX theater, 500 seats. There was the the Cujo joke, yeah, where he pulls out the VHS. He's like, "I found this great little fun ditty in the in the teachers' room." You guys are going to love it. It's like middle schoolers and he doesn't tell what it's about. He just puts Cujo in the, the movie. and if, I'm, I'm sure you all know what Cujo is if you got the joke. It's about a, a killer dog. <laughs> yeah, it's about a, a mom and her son get trapped in a, in a car and a killer dog is trying to, to eat them from outside. Our mom showed us this this yeah, movie she, when we were young. Yeah, she, we watched loves, it. she loves Cujo. Yeah, it, but it's terrifying. Yeah. It's horrifying. But dude, when when he pulled that out and he showed the VHS of Cujo, oh my me God. and me were we erupted in, in laughter, man. It was so funny, but Gruberston is is hysterical in this movie. Bill uh, Paul Rudd's kind of like a combination of of the Bill Murray slash the um Lewis character, where he's he's obviously becomes the key master, but then he's also got the humor of Bill Murray's character and just keeps and I think he's he's essential to the entire film to keep it going because Ghostbusters just needs to be very funny. Not that the other characters aren't funny as well. I think Finn's a very funny actor, and then McKenna's also great as Phoebe as well. And And Carrie does a tremendous job. Logan Kim, obviously, is one of the funniest parts of the movie, but Paul Rudd, there's just a scene where he's just walking through the grocery store after his (laughs) date with Callie, and the way he's just walking, he's just (laughs) struggling. Everyone in the theater is just laughing. These guys, keys dangling, he's getting some, like, he's got this face, like, like He's like, oh yeah, I just had a great date. <laughs> she kissed me on the cheek. He's such a dork. And he's going to get strawberry ice cream. Such a dork. It's so so funny. I'm, dude, I was dying in this movie. Yeah, and he's he he reminds you of he's like one of the guys from the original Ghostbusters. He he also feels like I think hey the character of Gruberson. Is fan service in general. He's like a representation of the diehard Ghostbuster fans who've been around for the last several decades waiting for a revival of the film done right. And I think he represents it because he himself was a fan of the Ghostbusters and when Phoebe brings him the trap that she finds in the floor, he's like, oh my god I've always wanted to see one of these before up close and they, they tested it <laughs> out and let out the ghost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just, like obviously there's a ghost in there, why would you open it? Yeah, He's just like, <laughs> he, he's very smart obviously, yeah. but he also has horror Instincts, <laughs> because they they power up the the ghost trap with the battery from the school bus, yeah. and they have the goggles. He's like, all right, I've always wanted to do this, and then they just let out a giant ghost. He just doesn't give an f about anything, and it blows everything up. <laughs> and then he slides through his windshield. Like, there's so many scenes of fall runner's this movie that cracked me up. But that's what's so great about this film is that it felt like it was really paying so much homage to the originals. And whether it be like the accuracy of the gear, like actually showing them click the button on, you know, it was just a lot of fun. And it reminded me so much of Force Awakens because Force Awakens is the same thing. And just like seeing the original cast in Force Awakens, this is obviously spoiler territory. You've seen the film. We get the original Ghostbusters and they show up at the climax of the movie. And when they showed up, Everyone freaked out. I was not expecting it. I wasn't expecting it either. It was a great surprise because you see um, Bill Murray, Ernie Hudson, and Dan Aykroyd in their full gear, in their proton packs— just showing up ready to fight a ghost. I thought it would just be Dan Aykroyd because Dan yeah. Aykroyd's in the trailer. You can see his arms and then you, you hear his voice. He answers the phone, And then yeah. he's in the film about like three quarters of the way through. And I figured it would just I be I thought him. it was just going to be the phone call. And that I figured it. Spangler would show up at some point too as a ghost because he's a ghost in the in the basement in the house and he's helping Phoebe figure Spangler's things out. Spangler's in the opening, and obviously. He's, and he's yeah. All, yeah, Spangler's in the opening. And then he's also communicating with, with uh, Callie in, in the basement as well when she finds it out as well. Before we continue this conversation, i got to tell you all about MoviePosters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. Use our special promo code Raiders10 to get 10% off your order at MoviePosters.com. The holidays are coming up. It's time to get a gift for those special people in your life. And for the movie fans of your life, there's nothing they would love more than an amazing, high-quality movie poster of their favorite film or television show. They have every kind of film or TV show imaginable in their selection. All sorts of sizes, framing, backlighting. If you're looking at our set online, you'll see that our set is decked out with these amazing posters. High quality stuff, everyone. Again, head on over to movieposters.com. Use our promo code Raiders10 to get 10% off your order today. And our other amazing sponsor, Arc Studio Pro, the most efficient, streamlined, and elegant screenwriting software on the market is offering a very special discount, $30 off their subscription if you use the special link arcstudiopro.com slash raiders. Again, ArcStudio Pro makes sure that your the formatting of your screenplay looks perfect. They have amazing features in their software like the plot board, which allows you to easily organize your plot points and acts with this really cool drag and drop system. They also have all sorts of apps for your desktop or phone online collaboration with co-writers so it's like you're writing with google documents with a friend super helpful outlining tools revisionist management and links to feedback i use arc studio pro every day with my screenwriting and i recommend you do the same as well again head on over to arcstudiopro.com raiders to get 30 dollars off your subscription and start writing today ghostbusters afterlife it really gets going when the kids start to discover the text so phoebe she first discovers the trap in the base, in the floor of the living room, because she's starting to interact with the ghost, and she doesn't know who the ghost is. It's playing chess with her in her bedroom. It puts her in her chair, in the chair, and shows her the floor where the where the, the puzzle. little puzzle is. When she discovers the trap, and then she eventually finds the secret basement in, in the shed, which is basically the headquarters that. Egon Spangler created for himself, developing the tech and keeping the mission of this Ghostbusters going on. And then Trevor himself, he finds the Ecto-1. He fixes it up with a little help from his ghost grandfather because we find out that the ghost is Egon Spangler helping everybody out. And then they get the tech, and it's super fun because Phoebe in, in a podcast... They become best buds and they start doing stuff together. They start teching, start testing the tech out. They actually battle a ghost, um, a metal munching ghost in like a factory. And they then, call it, a muncher, yeah, I think. Yeah, and then yeah. it starts terrorizing the town. They link up with Trevor in the car. And like Anthony was talking about earlier, the first sequence of them like going after a ghost in the town, in the Ecto-1, super fun. It's a blast. They are cruising down the street. They are destroying property. It's a lot of fun. But it's great because we also see consequences for actions where they get arrested. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they destroyed half the town. And it's a, it's a lot of fun when uh, the final act, it's like very... This movie, it, similar to Force Awakens, it has a similar plot as the original. And I think that's what fans wanted. They wanted to go back to that that temple. They wanted Goza back. They wanted the, the terror dogs back, the gatekeeper and, and keymaker. And so key I master. think... Keymaster. <laughs> I am the keymaker. And then I think Ivan Reitman really understood, like, let's give the fans... Just a new rendition of Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. You know, let's get the same villain out there. Let's get the those monsters back out there. This is what people love. Let's get the um, Stay Puff Marshmallow Man in it again. And like really creative. Rather than doing a gigantic Stay Puff, they do little tiny Stay Puff Marshmallow Mans all over Walmart. And yeah. <laughs> they begin terrorizing the tech in the car. So I think that Ivan Reitman understood like he knew what fans wanted. He knew what fans loved about it. He knew what fans missed from the new film. And so he's like, I'm going to just give them what they want. And it really worked. Yeah, and then, I mean, it, it, like in Force Awakens, what ended up happening with the Palpatines, obviously being Palpatine being the, the enemy again and the villain again is the same villain. So why not just, like, reinsert the OG villains just while you reboot? It worked, and it did a great job. Lucky, played by Celeste O'Connor, she plays like our connection to this new town so sh- her father's the the sheriff or the or the head police whatever he i'm guessing it was the sheriff and and um her character is also the crush or or trevor's has a huge crush on her i gotta love trevor's confidence though because as soon as he sees her he falls in love at first sight automatically signs up for a job at that roller skating burger place, which first of all, there are like 20 teenagers working at that place. How is it profitable to run a business? <laughs> Where's the manager? Like how many kids are you employing in a, Like <laughs> what are they making a day? Like you can't be running a successful business if, <laughs> if you have more employees than burgers sold per day. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> like there's like 15 kids who work out front. <laughs> and then there's another great connection to the original is e- Evo Shandor is in relevant in this film because he helped build most of the town just like he built that skyscraper in New York City in the original which was an antenna exactly. again exactly he built this town and he built that temple or actually the temple probably built itself once things started like the yeah. uh, spirits started showing yeah, up yeah. so he this was his final plan of raising Goza here and being her her partner by ruling the world. And when she sees him, she's like, get out of here, just destroys him. Literally rips him in half yeah. like a phone book. It's great. It, it was insane. Yeah, it was wild. But it's awesome because we find out that Egon Spangler, he abandoned everybody in his life and he stole the tech because he discovered that Goza was coming back and that he wanted to prevent the end of days, which was going to happen at the at the base of that mountain inside, under like deep underground in those mines. Where Goza was trying to come through and be uh, reawakened again and he had set up the proton blasters to always sh- shut it down in the last second before, you know, Goza could be awakened and risen from the spirits that were coming up. So he was keeping it contained. And it was but it was basically like a bandaid. and he was hoping that, like in the opening of the film, he tried to lure Goza to his house and and take Goza out there by essentially making his entire farm. A trap. He wasn't a dirt farmer inside all the dirt. He has all the tech to trap and and capture all the ghosts that were waiting to come out of that that mountain. And fortunately, his grandchildren held the torch for him and Phoebe and Trevor and, and Lucky and even Callie and Gruberson and podcasts all play a role. And stopping Goza at the end of the film when Goza rises again, played by Olivia Wilde, who does a great job. She looks looks just like the original, the original original, um, actor who played Goza. Yeah, they have similar facial features, so it it, it reminded me so much of the original. And then you know they couldn't do it on their own, and then the original team, the four ghost, the three Ghostbusters show up. Oh man, and then even Egon Spangler's ghost is seen as well. There helping them as well. Yeah, it's it's great because uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What's her name? Phoebe. Phoebe is battling Goza, and they have like that Harry Potter style, like Double beams. Door, yeah, yeah beams connected. <laughs> I mean, Voldy. Yeah, and um, and then it looks like she's about to lose her grip, and then Egon's ghost shows up and grabs the proton rifle and helps her keep it steady. It was really great, really moving and emotionally resonant for the for the film, and I think that really the emotional stakes in the j- journey for both her mother and Phoebe. Really tie the film together. Yeah, and then they all helped each other out They all got their proton blasters going and they all play a part in helping capture, but also um, Callie and Gruberson are the two people who get taken by Zool and the other one to become the demon dogs who are terrorizing the town and I think the best part of the film is Reitman obviously the special effects and CGI are really good, but he Went back to the roots of Ghostbusters and we have practical dog effects, the literally practical effects for a lot of the shots, which looks great. And even though it looks campy at sometimes, it's still real. Yeah, they're puppets and they look fantastic. They look just like the originals. Yeah, I think that. And actually, the originals were actually based on real sculptures outside of a church in New York. Honestly, I was scared of, of like Gothic architecture for, for in like, uh, were the gargoyles, gargoyles. forever? Because Remember that show, Gargoyles? Yeah, yeah. I was scared of gargoyles because of Ghostbusters. Yeah, it's terrifying. But yeah, he did a great job with the practical f- effects and. The dogs looked really excellent. Yeah. They, they were very scary. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I love when he, the the, when the dog is chasing Paul Rudd through the parking lot. And because his windshield was shattered earlier in the film, he rather than using his door, he jumps through the windshield <laughs> into so his car. Funny. So, so funny. <laughs> and the ending is great, you know, seeing the, the original guys there. And they did a really great job of reincarnating Harold Ram- Ramis in the film because he died like eight years ago, seven years ago. And the CGI looks excellent. It looks like it's, he's really there. And yeah, I'm he sure, plays Spangler. I'm sure it's definitely must have been touching for you know the, the crew to see the final um, shot in this mm-hmm. film when it was done, the CGI, because it looks like he's really there. So I thought that was a really touching moment for the guys. Yeah, Ghostbusters Afterlife, it's 62% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like 50-something on Metacritic. And yeah, I understand. I'm, just, I'm shocked. I had... An incredible time at this film and i went in with no expectations i was only i was kind of like half expecting not to like enjoy it too much i was like i don't know what to expect with this yeah i honestly was like not super excited to see it yeah i was like let's i mean we we're gonna see it at any eventually and obviously we got the invite so we had to go and it was a good time but man i was so surprised how fun it was and how great it was i'm telling you i laughed out loud 30 times during this movie <laughs> yeah. i got it was not, very funny there were some lines that didn't hit but for the most part I laughed at every joke. Yeah. It was so funny. And Phoebe especially, because her character starts off kind of a little dry and reserved and like doesn't really want to talk to anybody because that's, that's the character. It takes her a while to warm up to people. And then she just has a bunch of these corny like dad joke one-liners, which killed the me. Weak every, every t- the yeah, weak one. Yeah. She has a yeah. great... The, She's the like, trying, it, was a, it was a joke. Are you, I'm, I'm trying not to be obtuse with the triangle <laughs> so he's like is that a joke she's like yeah that's why I did the slow wink <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so she ended up being super funny her character and again podcast yeah. podcast like carried the humor with Paul Rudd's character Gruberson for sure yeah they're they're great they were hysterical they're gonna team them up in the next one Those yeah, two. yeah I can't I honestly can't wait for I'm sure they'll make a sequel because it's doing really well and I had a, again I had a really good time watching this movie yeah I completely disagree with the critics on this one man, I think it was really good they just can't have a good time man if it's and it's like come on, it's better than most of the movies that came out this for year. For real, it's in my top ten, man. It's better than the la- It's better than all of the most recent Marvel movies. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I had, I had so. more fun watching this, yeah, than any any of the new ones. Yeah, I had a blast. Yeah. All right, um, you got anything else you want to do some trivia? I got some trivia. Let's do it. Finn, when he auditioned for Ghostbusters Afterlife, Finn Wolfhard did not know that he was auditioning for a Ghostbusters movie. The audition sides were purposely kept to be generic and vague. So that, that the movie was – because the movie was being developed under secrecy. In the film, McKenna Grace, who plays Phoebe, wears the same exact glass frames as the late Harold Ramis wore as Dr. Egon Spangler in the original Ghostbusters. Wasn't that much. Yeah, it's still a new movie, so there's not a ton of facts I could find out. Yeah. Um, There are some trivia that I would say that we already knew, like um, in terms of Bill Murray would only reprise a, the role if if he felt a connection to the script. And he, he liked the script for Afterlife. It's got a lot of emotion. He says a lot of family ties in it and the lines are, are funny and interesting. That's that's what I think one of the strengths of the movie in general is it's like, a, it's like a family story at the heart, too, that a lot of people can relate to. That's also what the problem was with the 2016 was it had no heart. It was just like they were just trying so hard to be funny. Uh, it just didn't feel like there was nothing warm about it's it. It's like a script of just one-liners. Exactly. It was just like a bunch of like improv and stuff, but there wasn't really an emotional heartbeat at all yeah, to it. I got that feeling too. Yeah. But this one, they knocked it out of the park, everybody. Yeah. and I'm sure if you're listening this far, you, you checked it out and had a blast like we did too. All right, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters Afterlife. Be sure to become a patron today at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in around the world. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters!